The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 17, beginning at the 11th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. For the Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words that I speak and the thoughts and reflection of all our hearts and minds lead us to a place where we can be grateful and live by faith. Amen. Well, as we've heard over the last many weeks, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Not for a holiday, it's not his daily commute, he's not going to visit family and friends. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the culmination of his earthly life and ministry. It's a journey towards suffering as well as glory. As he makes this significant journey, Jesus encounters people along the way, and with every interaction, he proclaims the kingdom of God. As we've seen throughout the year, proclamation of the kingdom of God is central to uh, the focus of Luke's gospel, and that incorporates the themes of salvation and forgiveness. There was a clicker on here disappeared. Thank you, Gia. Thank you. The focus of Luke's gospel is the kingdom of God, incorporating the themes salvation and forgiveness. The passages that we've explored in the most recent weeks have actually been quite stern and difficult, haven't they? We've encountered some tricky things about having enough faith to say to a tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, about servants not needing to be thanked, that they need only be paid their dues. That was a tough reading. And about a rich man longing to have the poor man that he had ignored in life bring him some comfort after death. But today's passage softened things a bit. And it introduces gratitude as a response to God's mercy. 
It paints a picture of the healing mercy of God being extended to all those who would seek God's mercy. What picture of mercy has the story created for you, I wonder? Today's interaction takes place in a village where Jesus is passing through. This village is in the north of Israel on the border between Samaria and Galilee. Whether Luke intends for this to be a geographical location or more a theological location is certainly wide open for discussion. But either way, it's, an ant it's antagonistic territory the Samaritans were a mix of Jewish and Gentile ethnicity and religious background. The word that is used in the passage for the man from Samaria was foreigner, which is a very strong word. That was the word that was used outside the temple in Jerusalem that forbade foreigners from entering the temple. So the Samaritans and the Jewish Galileans lived as very uneasy neighbours. As Jesus approaches the village, ten men cry out with the familiar request for help from the poor and the outcast. Pity us. Have mercy on us. These men call Jesus Master, which is really interesting because this is the only place in the whole New Testament where anyone who is actually not a designated disciple calls Jesus master. The men are leprous. They're described as having leprosy. My final year physiotherapy project, which is now many years ago, was about leprosy and its treatment, about the disease that we call Hansen's disease. The 10 men in today's story probably didn't have Hansen's disease. Leprosy in the Bible refers to quite a range of skin conditions. And the point is that people who were called leprous were considered unclean in the Jewish religion. They were also considered a threat to the wholeness and completeness of the whole community. So therefore, they didn't only suffer from the symptoms and the disability of their disease, they also suffered ostracism from the community. That Jesus heals such people points to God as the author of wholeness and completeness. I wonder, who do we ostracise today? Because we are fearful that their presence with us might taint us. Are we arrogant enough to think that we are not tainted enough by our own prejudice, our own self-absorption? In the story, all ten men are made clean. And so they are now entitled to be pronounced clean by the priest, and they are also entitled to be accepted back into community. However, then and now, entitlement can be a barrier to gratitude. It's actually impossible 
to live from a place of entitlement and at the same time to live with a sense of gratitude. Only one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So it seems there is more to healing, or there is more to this man's healing than simply being made clean. Jesus asks, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Luke uses the phrase, your faith has made you well, to conclude three other healings. In chapter 7, the woman who anoints Jesus' feet. In chapter 8, the woman with the flow of blood. And in chapter 18, the blind beggar near Jericho. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan, the outsider, is the hero... That man is commended by Jesus for his love. Do you remember the young man asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. And the young man asks, who is your neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and commends the Samaritan for his love. In this story, Jesus commends the Samaritan man for his faith. Jesus says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Well, the role of faith in healing has become rather muddied waters for a lot of people. Some of you, like me, may have prayed with faith, trusting in God's goodness for the healing or safety of a loved one only to live with the reality of a devastating outcome, a shocking death or a desperately sad or destructive situation that doesn't resolve. We could spend a lot of time in that place this morning, but we don't have time and there's perhaps a better place to have some of those conversations. And yet also as part of that conversation, is the reality that in the midst of all that we experience, God is faithful and God's loving provision provides for whatever is. So what does Jesus mean when he says, your faith has made you well? Does it mean that the man believed that Jesus was God? Well, it is possible, but we really don't know because the passage doesn't tell us that. Does it mean that the man showed appreciation to God for what had happened? Well, yes, the passage certainly suggests that. So perhaps in this context, faith can be described as an expression of our appreciation to God for the salvation that we have received through Jesus. In Luke's gospel, salvation has several dimensions, economic, social, political, physical, psychological, and spiritual. 
Salvation encompasses the whole of our lives. And so salvation is about a bringing of wholeness in every part of our lives. Jesus' mission in Luke includes empowering the weak and lowly, healing the sick and saving the lost. And this story demonstrates all three of these dimensions. The outcast lepers can be reintegrated into their community. They can now earn a living. And God's salvation is clearly extended from the Jewish people to the Gentiles. The passage is a bit of a transition. In the verses that follow, the Pharisees ask Jesus about the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus' response is, well, look around you, here it is. The passage also points back to some earlier teaching from Jesus to the disciples, where Jesus suggests that the disciples, like the Samaritan, at one time were outcasts. And like the Samaritan, they have been forgiven, cleansed and healed. That is, they've received salvation, wholeness of life and restoration into community. This salvation, this new way of being is all gift. And it reminds me of a passage in Paul's letter to the Colossians, which it's from chapter 3 of Colossians and I've paraphrased it. I used to use this a lot when I was talking to students at school. God loves you. Be kind and compassionate to others. You're forgiven. Forgive others. Love is most important. It ties everything together. Each one has a part to play. Live together in peace. Let peace control your thoughts. Let Christ's message fill your lives. Be thankful. Be grateful. So I'm going to ask a few questions that I'm going to think about in the week ahead and maybe you'd like to as well or post them on the, um, on the website under resources. So Jenny, you don't have to ask me this week. Those resources will be there for your Bible study group. Here are the questions. How does our faith find expression in thanksgiving? What role does gratitude play and what does it mean to be healed, to be well? So coming back to the story, while cleansing was required by the law, it seems cleansing isn't what brought about the Samaritan's holistic healing. His salvation was more than physical healing or an end to his social isolation. In giving thanks to Jesus and praising God, he experienced the fullness of salvation through his gratitude. Thanksgiving is, a positively, is positively Christian. It lies at the heart of our worship. When we come to share communion together, have, listen to the words of the great Thanksgiving prayer. The opportunity that we have to respond to the needs of those around us in loving service is an act of thanksgiving for God's goodness in the world. In thanksgiving, 
we orient our gratitude and our appreciation toward one another. And as, our, as Christians, our gratitude is oriented firstly towards God and all that we have received from God through Christ. Our gra- we are grateful for one another. As that passage from Colossians suggested, we're grateful from creation, for creation and we receive all these things as gift from God. Well, I often think that um, contained within the scriptures are the the things that we need for life and for well-being. If only we we have an accessible way to share them with one another in the world. And it turns out that researchers have identified that appreciation and gratitude are key elements to our wellness and our wholeness. The work of Dr. Brene Brown is gold in this and I've included some of her findings in this summary of what gratitude is. Well, certainly there's overwhelming evidence that gratitude is good for us, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Gratitude is an emotion that reflects our deep appreciation for what we value, for what brings meaning to our lives, and for what makes us feel connected to ourselves and others. So whether it's together in worship or whether it's in our own time with God each day, gratitude plays a really important place and that sense of deep appreciation. The researchers have discovered that there are lots of things that correlate with gratitude. It seems the more gratitude we live out, we are able to sleep better. We have higher levels of creativity and we're able to make decisions more easily. We have a higher capacity for finding goodness and for celebrating life. We are able to appreciate what we have and not live from a place of scarcity. Renee Brown says we're able to participate in our own lives. A lack of gratitude has the opposite outcome in our lives. Gratitude is sometimes being described as an attitude, but the researchers say, well, it's far more than that. Gratitude is a practice. It's something that we do. It's a way of doing, of trying, perhaps of failing, but always trying again. We are all on the way. What place does gratitude have on our journey as we live with tension? We live in territory between different cultures. We have the culture of the church. We have the culture of secular consumerism and we kind of live in an uneasy place between the two. Thanksgiving transforms us and it becomes a way that we can proclaim in, through our own, lives, the good, our own lives the good news of the kingdom of God. This afternoon, we have an opportunity to give thanks for our pets and for their place 
in our lives and all the good things that they bring to um, our lives. This week is Queensland Mental Health Week, which we'll focus on this week at Community Connect. And Community Connect is an opportunity to give thanks for the life that we have, for the life that we find through connection and with community. Our op shops, our playgroup, Bible studies, men's groups, and all the other groups that meet throughout the week are all avenues of connection for people to encounter healing and wholeness. They are expressions, all expressions, of the church. And I love this description of the church's role. The church is a community of grace, a sacrament of Christ, a herald of salvation, and a servant of humankind. A community of grace, a sacrament of Christ, a herald of salvation, and a servant of humankind. I see that expressed in our community in very rich ways. And it's always going to be aspirational, isn't it? We can always move forward and make inroads into those spaces as we grow together. Faith is an expression of our appreciation to God for the wholeness that we have received through Jesus Christ. The one who gratefully returns to Jesus comes to the source and makes an appropriate response to the healing mercy extended by God through the ministry of Jesus. The salvation that the Samaritan received was more than physical healing or an end to social isolation. It was an experience of God whose saving power is fully present in Jesus. I'm going to finish by reading one of Mary Oliver's prayer poems as a prayer, the gift. Be still, my soul, and steadfast. Earth and heaven both are still watching, though time is draining from the clock and your walk that was confident and quick has become slow. So be slow if you must, but let the heart still play its true part. Love still as once you loved, deeply and without patience. Let God and the world know you are grateful that the gift has been given. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to stand and sing with us.